Just like that, folks, the New York Jets have a brand new offensive play caller and a brand new offensive line coach. And now the true search begins to find the next signal caller for New York. What's up, Jets fans? Welcome to another edition of Jet Nation Live. We are your hosts, Dylan Terriman and Glenn Naughton. Thank you for tuning into episode 21 of our show. Glenn, a lot of news has come down. I know we couldn't get on earlier to uh, be more urgent with the news. I was at work pounding my thumb away with a hammer. Um, how, how are we doing, Glenn? Uh, how are we feeling about Nathaniel Hackett as the offensive coordinator? Uh, well, you know, listen, it's like uh, it's like anything else. There's 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 some things I like about it. There's some things I don't. You know, the, the thing I like is that he is an experienced guy. He has had some success. Um, he's also had some pretty bad years as an offensive coordinator, but he's he's not had the, the best quarterbacks to work with. You know, he's had EJ Manuel and, and uh, you know, Blake Bortles and was it Kyle Orton or Rex Grossman. I always confuse those two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, he didn't have a ton to work with. Um, we did see Blake Bortles regress under him a little bit. But, you know, you know, I, I spoke with Scott Mason a little bit earlier today and kind of talked about how that, you know, there was a regression in weapons. Like, I, I, I get that at the end of the day, results are what matters. But people are so into results that sometimes they don't want to look at the reasons why things happen. Um, which I think is kind of silly. Like that's the whole point in building a team. You look at what's working and what's not, and that's you adjust based on that. You don't just say, "Well, we won games, so we're good." And we don't. We'll just keep going. Um, so yeah, he he had a couple of pretty good receivers to work with with Bortles um, when when Blake Bortles had a solid year, and then uh, and then he kind of downgraded at receiver a little bit a couple years later, and the, and the results were disastrous. And you know maybe it's a it's a matter of defensive coordinators catching on to what was working um, with Blake Bortles, who was a limited guy. So listen, experience, he, he, he checks the main boxes, you know, the two, the two biggest boxes to me, which were he's done it before and he's had some success. Um, would it be, it would have been nice to bring in, you know, uh, an elite high level play caller with multiple Super Bowl rings. Sure. Um, but that guy wasn't out there. So based on what was out there and the names we were hearing, um, it's, it's hack. It makes sense. You know, as I tweeted out earlier, there's the, the knee jerk reaction, the, the, the desire to say, Oh geez, it's not another hack it. But um, but this is a different guy. So let's let's hold back a little bit and and treat him as if he's someone else because he is someone else. He's his own man. He's his own play caller. And we'll find out in time if it was the right move or not. Yeah, I think we definitely need to operate under the assumption, at least for now, that he's not going to be a second coming of his father. And I think just in terms of the hiring in general, I don't want to steal words from a veteran quarterback from the Pat McAfee show on Tuesday, but I think it's really important to look at process over results. I think it's really like, you know, you can look at Denver last year and say, oh my gosh, it was terrible. Blow it all up. Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah, sure. He was in over his head as a head coach, probably on the day-to-day things that needed to Mm -hmm. happen in the facility. But I think when you look at his entire resume, you start to peel it back. And like you said, there weren't that many good quarterbacks outside of Rodgers. And if you want to put Bortles in a good quarterback, you know, group, he had no. EJ Manuel, Kyle Orton, Thaddeus Lewis, Cody Kessler, Jeff Toole between the Bills and the Jaguars. So I understand if like the results aren't going to be there. But I think when you listen to Coach uh, Salas speak at the press conference today, he he spoke very highly of Nathaniel. Obviously, he has ties to Nathaniel from when they were um, – in Jacksonville together. He was the linebackers coach and Nathaniel was the quarterbacks coach. Um, But just some of the quotes that he said about him, um, obviously West coast scheme. So it's not going to be an entirely new system. Most likely you're looking at a revamped offensive line, veteran quarterback, young group of skilled players. So to me, that says offensive line is going to be a big shakeup. Obviously quarterback, they're still hunting. 
commitment to complementary football. And I think this is the important one because everybody wanted to say LaFleur abandoned the rush too much, especially when they were winning. Um, innovative teacher and tremendous relationship with quarterbacks. So when you say all those things, um, it's really hard to say that this is a bad hire. Outside of the year of Denver, this guy is a good co- uh, coach. Uh, he calls good plays. He was the red zone. Uh, they called the gold zone in Green Bay. Um, third down, red zone. If the Jets need to improve in two areas, it is certainly red zone and third down. So yep. the resume is starting to you know look better. Obviously, you can take the name Hackett off of it. It could be Nathaniel Smith, and I feel like the, it, it feels a little bit better. So, obviously, I'm going to say it again. I'm young. I don't. I don't remember Paul Hackett as an OC. It was 2001 to 2004, so I was just becoming a Jets fan. I was literally seven, eight years, nine years old. So I don't remember like the play calling, but I understand third and third and long call a draw play. That's not going to. I mean, all the time. Exactly. All the time. It's not going to inspire anybody. So we have to wait and see. I think the quarterback is a huge, you know, contingency to it. And I know it failed in Seattle last year. They hired him and they thought maybe they could get Aaron Rodgers in Denver. Didn't really work out. They pivoted to Russ. At least this is my belief or thinking. And it didn't work out with Russ. Russ isn't the guy for this type of system. You need somebody who's going to throw over the middle of the field. Hackett likes to do that. I think this is going to be somebody to unlock our tight ends a little bit. So all in all, I'm trying to look at it half half full as a Jets fan because that's kind of all we have right now. But I think it's contingent on the quarterback very heavily. Of course. Um, the other coach that they hired, this is somebody that I am very unfamiliar with, um, but it seems like has a very glowing resume as well. Keith Carter, offensive line coach slash run game coordinator um, in Tennessee for the last five seasons as their offensive line coach. So I'm not sure if they let him go when they let go of OC Todd Downing this uh, end of season. So if he was available, because obviously O-line coach to O-line coach isn't a promotion. So he comes in as our O-line coach, but three of the last four seasons, he had a top five rushing offense in Tennessee. And the last four seasons, he had a top six red zone offense. So again, you're hitting on those those buzzwords, red zone, third down, you know, rushing offense with Brees Hall, like sign me up. So all these things point to good hirings. He was with Sala under Pete Carroll. They were both uh, quality control coaches, Sala on defense and obviously Carter on offense uh, from 2012 and 2013. And then he also has crossover with defensive coordinator Jeff Ulbrich and safeties coach Marquand Manuel from their time in Atlanta. He served as the assistant O-line coach and running backs coach. They went to the Super Bowl in Atlanta. So this guy's been there, done that as well. Two Super Bowls with two different teams, obviously, I think it's going to be a similar scheme to John Benton. I'm not going to say it's, you know, copy and paste. I hope it has more wrinkles because this offense needs more wrinkles in the run game. So all in all, I think it's a good hire. I'm not too familiar with him, but everything I've read sounds good. What are your thoughts on Keith Carter? Yeah, look, that's the big thing. I'm I'm sure there are like three fans on the planet, like fans. I'm not talking about insiders and, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking about like there are probably three fans who are familiar with him. Um, I see all these people like, oh, this is a great hire. Right. Right. Because you spent all kinds of time breaking down the Tennessee Titans offensive mm-hmm. blocking scheme over the past three or four years. Um, you know, the, the thing to me that I like is that he was he was apparently highly sought after. Connor Hughes uh, mentioned that there were four other teams mm-hmm. who were pursuing him, four teams or four others, whatever it was. Um, multiple teams were interested in, in his services. 
Um, the you know the, the rushing yards over the past few years. I mean, he's got Derrick Henry. You know, it's it's like it's like when when people told me you know uh, when the Bucks won the Super Bowl that you know Byron Leftwich should get a job because of the year Brady had. I'm like, yeah, because because what was Tom Brady before that? You know, right. like you got You got to kind of look at what these guys are working. So I'm not knocking the hire. I'm just being honest and saying I don't know what the I don't know what the guy runs. Um, but I like the fact that he was being pursued by multiple teams because. He was obviously doing something right, or at least in the eyes of multiple clubs. And um, there were, I forget who it was, there were a couple of tweets saying that um, as soon as he was let go, it kind of piqued Salah's interest. Like Salah really, he was like his top target. So it's, you know, whether Salah gets it right or wrong remains to be seen, you know, like all of this does. But um, but the fact he's getting his top guys, you know, that's it's encouraging. You'd rather you'd rather have that happen than, than hear that you're you're going with your fifth or sixth option. Exactly. I'd rather them get the first option as well. We can argue um, if it is the right option. I think he tends to go towards his friends and both these hirings kind of lean that way as well. They were mm-hmm. crossover coaches from, you know, both excuse me, Hackett and Carter. So I think you can give him some slack uh, flack, excuse me, there because LaFleur was his best friend or his best friend's little brother. So right. it's easy to, to poke holes and say, oh, Sal is only going after uh, his friends, but I think they did cast a wide net. I think it was reported 15 to 20 different names. So yeah, so no I said over 15 guys, multiple it, schemes, college pro. Yeah. So there's, there's obviously non friends in that group as well, but like he said, everybody has connections inside this league. So no matter what, there's going to be crossover somewhere that you can nitpick. I'm going to operate under that. These are good hires. I, I mean, I was high on Benton and Lafleur, So I'm hoping that these guys can be what we thought they, those guys were going to be for our offense. And I think we can get into it now, but I think this really heightens the discussion of bringing a four time MVP to New York. I'm not going to confer. Like I obviously I'm very hyped up. If you follow me on Twitter at D Terriman, I think 82% of the tweets I've said in the last four days contain the words, Aaron Rogers, you know, Hackett Packers, all of them. So I'm number one on the hype train of getting Aaron Rodgers. I understand like all these other quarterbacks, there comes a ton of risk. Do you have any thoughts? I know we talked about Carr versus Lamar last week because those seemed like the most realistic options. And then this week happened, and the third mysterious door number three on Price's Right opened up, and the potential of Aaron Rodgers moving, how does that make you feel as a Jets fan? I mean, it's exciting because it's Aaron Rodgers. Um, I know the, the big conversation right now among Jets fans seems to be um, you know, what type of compensation do you offer? I mean, the hilarious offers that Packers fans are tweeting out, like, oh, just give us Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson and Quinn and Williams and a few ones, yep. and we got a deal, like these psychopaths. Um, you know, that that's ridiculous. But also, I feel like the notion of two number ones, like, you know, this was something that I a thought that I had, and then I, I heard it the other day. Um, Chris Schubert actually they were talking about it on the draft dudes pod. Um, and look back and said the Jets, the Jets traded for 39-year-old Brett Favre and they gave up a three. And now they're going to trade for 39-year-old Aaron Rodgers and give up two ones. Like, that's the, the craziest thing to me, again, you know, same as just like we did with Carr and Lamar. Like, I look at what are the risks here? Like, the risk with the risk with Carr is the weather. The risk with Lamar is, is he going to be the same guy after these knee injuries? Is, is he already starting to decline? Um, same question with Aaron Rodgers with, is he starting to decline? Um, but the biggest risk there is, this is a guy who, I mean, one year probably highly unlikely, I would say not be, I would say fairly likely after two years he retires. Like, are you giving up two ones 
and, and this is a guy as as great as he is, like no one can deny the numbers he's put up, but it's not like he's got four rings. You know, he, he won a ring mm-hmm. like 10 years ago. Um, and he's had some really, really talented teams around him. Um, you look at what was it two years ago, and I, I remember this tweet because it really it really stuck with me. Um after you know, he threw what 48 touchdowns a couple of years ago, won the MVP, and then he loses in the playoffs 13-10. And like, even like Connor Hughes was like, is it time to remove this guy from the GOAT conversation? Because mm-hmm. who cares if you do 48 touchdowns, if you scored 10 points in a playoff game? So I want Aaron Rodgers. I'm willing to give up premium picks to get Aaron Rodgers. Um, I, I would go, honestly, I would I would give up premium picks, but they, they'd all they'd be conditional. I'd say, look, we'll give you a one. Um, and then the following year, you get a three. If we make if we make it to the playoffs, it's a two. If we make it to the Super Bowl, that's a one. So, the, the, like, because that's the only thing that makes it worth it. Like, oh, he's worth two ones. He's worth two ones if you get to the Super Bowl. Otherwise, two ones, a playoff win, and he retires. Like, I I, I had this thought earlier. You know, thank goodness it didn't happen. But I thought, what if what if all the speculation was last year, and the Jets gave up two ones for Aaron Rodgers, and the Packers drafted Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson, and then Aaron Rodgers retires after next year. You happy with that deal? You happy with Sauce and, and Garrett Wilson for two years of Aaron Rodgers, where you maybe win a Super Bowl, but maybe not? Like, I'm 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 giving up premium picks, but there's conditions involved and get him in here. And otherwise, you know, it's back to Carr and Lamar. Yeah, I think when it was first reported, I believe by Peter King, the two first rounders, and it said at least two first rounders, I felt like that was a bit of a stretch. I think obviously Green Bay is going to want to leverage as much as they can to try to obviously get as much of a return for Rodgers as they can. But like you laid out just there, I think it's basically going to have to be a Favre type package where it ultimately we gave Favre in 2008 a fourth rounder that became a third rounder if he played 50% of the snaps, which he did. Second, It became a second rounder if he played 70% and they made the playoffs which we were on trajectory to do at eight and three when he hurt his shoulder. And it became a first if he played 80% and they went to the Super Bowl. So I think you can easily, you know, use that uh, trade as a template to get the Aaron Rodgers trade done without having to use two first round picks. I think obviously the first, you know, package that I put together was a 2023 first. So obviously 13 overall and a day two pick in 2024 that is conditional. Like you said, I think I would yeah. start start at a three minimum going back because I'm okay parting with a, a one and a three ultimately for Rodgers. And if it gets to more than that, you know that he's on the roster for 2024 and that we were most likely a playoff team in 2023. Right. The other one, obviously, is a day two pick in this draft and then a 2024 first round pick next year, no matter what. Those are going to be non-conditional, just maybe a second rounder this year and a first rounder next year which obviously you mortgage the future for one season, but you still keep 13 in your pocket to go get an offensive tackle or a wide receiver or something. You know, Rodgers doesn't have first round wide receivers in Green Bay since 2002. So if you could surround him with two, possibly, you know, more than Garrett Wilson, I should say. So I think those are the packages I like. I don't know if you feel any type of way about those. Are you okay giving up those non-conditional 2024 picks? If it's less this year. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the main thing is I'm not giving up two ones for what could be a one, a one year rental, mm-hmm. um, even a two year rental. Like I said, um, it, if I had a crystal ball and I know they win the Super Bowl, then fine. But without that crystal ball, then I want them to be conditional picks. 
And without that Super Bowl, you're not getting two first rounders. And uh, I say all the time, you know, when people complain about the Darnold trade before we knew Darnold was going to suck. I was like, you know, but of course, you're getting a young quarterback then. So the price is a lot higher. Uh, but I said, look, if, if they win a ring, no one's going to give a damn about the compensation. Like, yep. really, you, you're going to watch them win a Super Bowl and stand there and go, oh, we don't have any ones next year. Like, you're not going to care. And that's the way it should be. Um, so, yeah, conditional picks based on Super Bowl appearance or a Super Bowl win, whatever it may be. I'm, I'm fully on board with that. I'm just what I'm not on board with is let's just give them the farm. And if they want if if Green Bay wants our next two drafts, give them our next two drafts. And so what if Aaron Rodgers retires after next year? Like it's no, there's there's limits to this. Like I understand the excitement of bringing the guy in. Um, anybody understands the excitement of bringing him in. Um, you just have to understand the risks that go along with it. it would, you know, here's a crazy number on Aaron Rodgers. I looked up earlier um, just out of curiosity, looking at like postseason performance, thinking about that game a couple of years ago um, where they only put up 10 points. I couldn't believe this. I don't even know how this is possible. So Aaron Rodgers played in, he's played in 22 postseason games. His record is 12 and 10. So he's two games over 500 despite throwing 45 touchdowns and 13 interceptions. That seems impossible. Defense. 45 touchdowns in 22 mm-hmm. games and he's he's 12 and 10. Yep. But like I like I mean there there were some high scoring games in there but again what was it San Fran I think a couple years ago yeah they lost 13-10. Um that was his most recent playoff game. He threw for 225 no touchdowns. And and the other factor, you know, and again because just because the football guys won't let it be clear cut where you can sort of have a clear picture of this was last year's performance due to the injured receivers and the thumb early on, or is he starting to to go downhill? Right. Like what, which version, which version of our, this is the problem guys at this age, he could play three or four more great years of great football. He could be average next year and worse the year after and retire. And, and we don't know. We just know that this most recent season, he wasn't the same guy he was the year before. And certainly not the same guy he was two years ago um, to go from 48 touchdowns couple years ago to what he did this year and you know he played well down the stretch this season but um it just it's you know and and i you know you, you just just as with hackett you know you have to treat everything on its own merit on its own circumstances but as a jets fan it's like what are the odds that the jets acquire a 40 year old quarterback and it works out and he plays great you know um mm. like i said i i have my reservations so yeah conditional premium picks go for it if the packers want guaranteed ones and twos then Sorry, man. I'm not. I'm not doing that. Yeah, and and just to speak on the Rogers aspect of if he's probably willing to play or not, I listened to the Pat McAfee uh, podcast and I took just a couple of notes of the things that he was saying. First of all, he's not in the playoffs, obviously this year. So he said that he joined a pro am uh, golf tournament just to feel that competitiveness again in his life. Um, so I think no matter what, he's going to come back and play. He said that. Physically, he's able to win the MVP still. He said, if you're not playing to win it all, why are you playing at all? So I think those things obviously tend to you know, point to me that he's going to try his best to come in, whether it's Green Bay or a new scenario, with a chip on his shoulder, try to recapture that MVP form. I'm not going to excuse all the problems on his thumb last year or the receivers being young. Obviously, there were some you know miscues in the beginning. That's the thing. It's not even that they were young. They weren't even playing. I know uh, right, yeah. Christian Watson wasn't on the – like their first – No, five he suffered games, an injury early on. I think they had yeah. some pretty pretty depleted receiving core. 
Yeah, it's very depleted. And like I mentioned earlier, they didn't have a first round receiver since or first round pass catcher since 02. So that's like not saying the talent was sparse, but it wasn't as as great as it could be. Obviously, you know, we see what the Jets have in Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. Um, so I just put that all into this want to category for him. And I, I just think no matter what, the situation is obviously going to be touch and go. If he comes, if he doesn't come, I feel like everybody's going to put him under the microscope until he either recaptures that MVP form or if he, you know, ends up sliding and is the worst quarterback next year. Obviously, there's some metrics that have him as a below average quarterback last year, but then there's also some metrics that show that he was throwing the ball on target second highest rate in the league. So there's, you know, it, it's it's tit for tat. I want to obviously be optimistic about Aaron Rodgers. It's it's really hard not to be when you look at the history of this quarterback in position on this team and you just, you, you want to upgrade. I, I feel like, I don't want to say we're settling for De- Derek Carr, but if you can go get Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. why not just try? He's not going to cost you the Lamar package. Obviously in trade value, it could cost a lot. Maybe not but- two first round picks, but it's not going to cost Woody Johnson $230 million and, you know, having to take out a, a, maybe a second mortgage on his 15th home or something, you know? So it's not going to break Woody Johnson's pockets to get Aaron Rodgers. The the deal is very simple. I think it's like 60 million over two years. The cap hits are 15 and 35 million. So very, very minimal. And you can work around this with the rookie contracts on this yeah. team. Just it's too many con, uh, pros. And the only con I see is if he retires next year. And okay, and okay, because if you don't give up two first-round picks, we're all fine. In 2024, we're right back in the same boat, but we had the chance. I'm tired. And he gets, of, sorry, and he gets that year, and no, and he, and he gets that year to, to to hopefully mentor Zach Wilson because that's the other part of this, you know. And I, I said, I think it was a couple months ago, sort of a, a a real pipe dream. This is before there was any Aaron Rodgers talk. I can't remember if I said it or if it was just a thought, but I remember thinking to myself that. If there's one, I think it was when Zach was going through a tough time. He was benched. You knew he was miserable. Mm-hmm. And I thought if you could bring in one guy that Zach might be willing to just suck it up and sit down and listen and not not pout, it's probably Aaron Rodgers. Like, could there be a more perfect guy, Hall of Fame player, who is Zach Wilson's, you know, the player Zach Wilson modeled himself after growing up and idolized? Like, that might be the one dude to unlock Zach Wilson. So that would make it ideal. And that's the other part of this deal where if he comes in for one year and he, he pays dividends with Zach Wilson, um, obviously that's a huge benefit, but it's um, it's it's a lot to happen. You know, I have my moments where I think, oh, there's no way it's going to happen. S- you know, similar mm-hmm. to the, the Lamar thing where I'm like, the Ravens aren't letting him go. Yeah. But I think there's enough bad blood with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers that I think they might. I think they're sort of – and, and they, they have Jordan Love entering, what, year four of his deal. He was a first-round pick too. Yep. Like that's going to be a first rounder. Do you got nothing? Well, I mean, they may trade him, tag him, they have whatever. To decide his fifth round option it, in the it, next it, couple weeks. Exactly. Like, how do you do that? The guy hasn't even played. You got to decide if you're going to pay him as a fifth with his fifth round option. So, it's uh, they're in a tough spot there. Um, if they feel like he's learned enough under Aaron Rodgers, maybe they're that much more willing to let Rodgers go. Um, but I, I I get the feeling. It just it feels more. If I had to guess, like which guy gets traded, I would say. I'd pick Aaron Rodgers a million times over Lamar Jackson. I think Baltimore oh, yeah. really, really wants Lamar to stay, whereas Green Bay almost feels like a repeat of Favre. You know, I think they're like, yeah. you know what? They're we've sour. Everything we're going to get out of this guy. Yeah. He's making a ton of money. Um, he's not super happy here. Let's move on. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting few days. And, again, 
well, a couple of weeks, I should say, because the uh, the Derek Carr thing, you know, we're probably three, four weeks away from a trade being agreed upon with somebody. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the thing with the Jets. Like I saw somebody say the other day, like, you know, my nightmare scenario is that the Jets, what what, what was it like? They they trade for Carr and then Rodgers and Jackson become available. Well, my nightmare yeah. scenario is they don't trade for Carr and then they don't get Jackson they don't. and they yeah. don't get Rodgers. That's the nightmare. Mm-hmm. Like if the worst, if your worst case scenario is you walk away with Derek Carr, like I'm pretty happy with that. Like yeah. that, you know, that that was, you know, as you know, like he's, he's my preferred guy outside of Rodgers. But if, if, if we're talking like if I can get Derek Carr, you know, like I said, with the Lamar thing, if I can get Derek Carr and keep my ones or give up ones and twos or a one and a two for one or two years of Aaron Rodgers, like that's, I'm that's not an easy decision for me. Like I get the I get the allure with both guys, but the the fear of of Aaron Rodgers retiring after a year or two is uh that that that's a deterrent for me. But would I love to see him as a Jet? Hell yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's the part that makes it really tough because obviously you're looking at a very short window that is probably at its max potential for those one to two years with Aaron Rodgers. And I've had some people say, you know, but I'd rather take Derek Carr for five to eight years. And I'm, I don't know how anybody can see the future that far to say Derek Carr's coming for five to eight years. Obviously you probably get him for four because that's what his contract will right. be. But I just, I don't see anything further than that. So if you're looking at, well, four I, years, I think with, I think with that, what they're probably saying is he's got that many years left in it. Yes, yes. Like, yeah, fine. He might go somewhere else, but there's the chance you retain him. You know, mm-hmm. you're not obviously Aaron Rodgers is not going to be around in eight years. Um, Derek Carr, if he's playing well, you're going to you're going to resign him, tag him, whatever you got to do. And you're going to have him for five, six, seven years if he's worth having for that long. Right. Yeah. You could probably get to the second contract with Derek Carr. And I, I mean, I just want to circle back to the Zach Wilson thing, because Zach Wilson is not the only person that Aaron Rodgers either name dropped in an interview or has a relationship with on the team. Back in October, when the Jets beat them in, in Lambeau, he dropped six names and an entire position group on the Pat McAfee show. He listed Jordan Whitehead, LaMarcus Joyner, C.J. Mosley, Quan Alexander, Sauce Gardner, Zach Wilson, a stout D-line. So Aaron Rodgers is very familiar with the pieces around this team other than Zach Wilson. But I think the Zach Wilson part of it is the biggest factor of it because – I'm not going to say Derek Carr won't mentor a quarterback. I feel like he's the type of person that would take on a mentorship role. But I also feel like Derek Carr is coming with that fire of, I am a starter. Why should I try to help somebody who's going to eventually take my job? Aaron Rodgers kind of knows the deal. He's like, I'm only going to be here for a short time. I like this kid. I think he's going to be talented in the league for a long time. Those are all his words. Let me go see if I can mentor him give him that humility of, Hey, sit back and watch daddy cook for a little bit. Maybe you can learn the offense. And then in 2024, 2025, you take over the reins. And I think if that's the the messaging of the team, then yeah, Aaron Rodgers is it's an A plus. It's like you deal with the, the retirement issues when they happen and just kind of take it in stride, just, you know, see what happens. But I think, I think all of it, you know, is just, it, it just, it brings me to the conclusion that, the Jets aren't going to settle at quarterback. Like you said, Derek Carr no, is probably I, yeah. is the lowest option at this point. When you say veteran quarterback, you bring in a guy like Nathaniel Hackett, there's no way you're going to settle for even a, a Jimmy Garoppolo at this point. I saw somebody float that out. I'm not even taking Jimmy G on a reduced contract at this point. Give me the B plus or B tier quarterback or higher. 
And that's yeah. it. I'm, I can't sit here and play this game of, Oh, should we run it back with Mike White or, or Jacoby no. Brissett? It's it. I will. No, there, there'll be brains on the wall if that happens, <laughs> because it's just not, the roster is not in a position to add that type of quarterback. Somebody said to me, you don't trade for uh, Rogers because you have to build. I, I can't hear the word build and this roster anymore. They're, they're, they're built. They're like, they, they, they are need, built. They, exactly. they need a couple pieces granted. Sure. They, you know, they, they got to fix the old line. Yep. But um, listen, you, you wait for a perfect roster. Like yeah. until we have 22 all pros, then we don't, you know, or 21 all pros don't get the quarterback. Yet. Exactly. Like this isn't a, I, I, you know, I've never liked that argument, but I guess you could make a case for it when you're a bottom feeder team. You know, when you're when you're 28th in the NFL on defense and 31st on offense, like fine, you, you got a lot to do before you're ready. Yep. This is a top five, top ten defense. Yep. Um, and as as I said earlier today, um, as long as you have Quinnen in these corners, we've said during the year, those are the guys that kind of made this defense possible. Yep. As long as those guys are around, you're gonna be good on defense and you need to sort of, you know, you, you need to you need to act before this window closes. Yeah, and I don't want to sound hyperbolic, but the Jets would be playing this weekend with Aaron Rodgers. Oh, I feel I mean, so confident on. about that. It's not even you, – you took look at Mahomes with the ankle. I feel like the Jets could have beaten a, a bum Chiefs quarterback. Obviously, Joe Burrow is probably the one I'm worried about the most. Josh Allen, we've seen the Jets take him wire to wire with Zach Wilson and Mike White. So I have all the confidence in the world that if you bring back most of those pieces, obviously there's a lot of free agents to bring back. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers entices those free agents to come back. I'm not saying everybody's going to all of a sudden take 75% rate, right, reduce right. rate to come and, and play for this team that's never made the playoffs in 12 years, but it swings the pendulum in a way that this team has not seen in quite a long time. So there's just too many factors for me to say that I'm out on it. Like I said last week, I can't be out on any of these quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers is in a separate tier of his own when it comes mm-hmm. to who I want at quarterback, but I think that's that's pretty much the end of that one there. I know you mentioned Lamar Jackson, and I don't really want to, you know, we can dive into the draft talk, but I wanted to uh, get your thoughts. Um, Daniel Jeremiah came out with a mock draft this week. Everybody's mock draft 1.0, really. Mel Kuyper, Dane Brugler, uh, Daniel Jeremiah, all mock draft 1.0s this week. Daniel Jeremiah had Baltimore taking Anthony Richardson at number 22 overall, and then it was followed up by saying Lamar will not play on the tag. I don't, wow. I don't think those were exactly his words, right. but that was the messaging behind that, is if Baltimore tags him, he's gone. He's traded. So what were your what were your thoughts when you scrolled through DJ's mock? And we'll get into the Jets picks, but when you saw Anthony Richardson to the to the Ravens. Um I, honestly I didn't even scroll that far down. I scrolled down to third I scrolled down to 13 <laughs> you don't need and to. stopped. Right, yeah, right. I scrolled down to 13. <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm good. Um, but yeah, that's um I don't know, man. That's and I, now I already forget who, who did DJ have the Jets taken? I forgot now. So DJ had us taking Broderick Jones, offensive tackle from Georgia. Okay, that's right. Yeah, and it was Kuiper who had him taking receiver. Um, yes. All right. Yeah, but listen, there there are some people, and you know, I don't. Jeremiah was there so long ago. I don't know what type of connections he still has, but um, there are some people who think Jackson will be gone. As I said, I just I I, I view it. As if this were the Jets, like if the Jets had a Lamar Jackson type player, like who had been there as long as Lamar had it, like, could I envision a scenario where they let him leave? And I'd be like, it's not going to happen. You don't like whatever it takes. You may not like it, but you do what it takes to keep that guy. Mm -hmm. And if that's my expectation of the Jets, 
I'd be hypocritical to be like, oh, but the Ravens shouldn't do that. And I, I don't think I don't think the Ravens are going to keep him. You right. know, like I, I can't see them letting that happen. Um, and it, like I said, if they do, that means he's really pricing himself out. Like if, if he's asking for like 60, 70 million a year, mm-hmm. I think that's the only way he goes. And if, and I don't think he'll get that elsewhere. So, um, but listen, DJ's a pretty plugged in guy. And if he has, uh, if he's saying he thinks Lamar won't play for the Ravens, that, that spices things up, man. Cause like I said, I, I think he stays. I think the jets are going to, they're going to be in on the bidding for, uh, for car. And um, it's going to be an interesting couple months, man. The, the NFL is just, They've nailed this. They just find a way to make themselves oh, yeah. relevant. Yep. The Super Bowl is going to stop. Super Bowl is going to finish. And then like all these is like the fans of all the bad teams are then they get hyped up about exactly. what are we about? What are we about to do to get better? And they've, they've mastered this. They've they've mastered the art of staying relevant when nothing's even happening. Um, people will will spend hours and hours just talking about it as we are here. Yeah, it's it's truly amazing that. And now with the extended season, the Senior Bowl and the All-Star Circuit is one week before the season even ends. So you are mm-hmm. you have so many media members and just eyes on draft only, and there's mm-hmm. still a Super Bowl to be played. It's just it's truly amazing how no matter what, the NFL is going to be king of all sports. I, I feel like there's n- nobody holds a candle to the NFL. Um, some other interesting things I did see in DJ's mock, and, and we know from Makai Becton being mocked to the Giants mm-hmm. at four, uh, at four when the yep. Jets liked him at eleven. That yep. DJ likes to sneak in some things about players that might not be, go exactly where they are, but he's just trying to put them on people's radar. And the one person I thought, and this is somebody we've talked about in our draft segments before, Dalton Kincaid, tight end one to the Los Angeles yeah. Chargers at twenty-one overall. Uh, he yeah. had Mike Mayer, obviously a lot of people's tight end one in yep. you know draft surfaces. He has him going three picks later uh, to Jacksonville at 24. But I thought Dalton Kincaid getting some flowers was pretty cool because the Utah tight end, we've talked, I think we talked about him like first few weeks of this uh, show. Yeah. And, yeah. and he's done nothing but impressed to the point where now he's on number one on tight end rankings for DJ. So that was interesting to me. Jackson Smith and Jigba going to Philly at 31. Like just absolutely broken. I don't know. I feel like the the consensus on the wide receivers is a lot lower than I am personally. Maybe you are too, because I know your tweet about your top wide receivers and being a loaded class. I kind of view it as more of a loaded class too. So to have Jackson Smith and Jigba go as the final pick in the first round, I was very surprised. Um, and then a surprise name that I've never heard of, and I have to do a lot of research on this guy because he was in Kuiper's mock, cornerback Emmanuel Forbes. At 19, I think he's missing. Yeah, you said Mississippi State. Yep. yep. So yeah. so he went at 19 to Tampa Bay, and then he went at 23 in, in Kuiper's mock. So this guy's getting a ton of flowers. I'm not familiar with him at all. He's not somebody that I, I even heard his name until the, the mocks came out. So any any uh, surprises? Oh, I should give you Mel Kuiper's um, Kalijah Kansi, your guy from Pitt, the D-tackle, at 10 to Philly. Thought that was really, oh, really interesting. And then Zay Flowers, another one of your guys at 31 yeah. to Philly. So two first round guys that you talked about. Uh, any thoughts on, on those guys? Yeah, Zay Flowers, I think I said to you, there were a couple of guys, and it'll happen every year. Um, yeah. There's a couple guys, you know, I'm trying to watch 10 million players. And uh, I just, I, Zay Flowers, I loved last year, you know, and uh, 
just kind of the first four or five weeks of this year, just kind of forgot about them because you're just caught up in the new crop and the new year. And mm-hmm. you're just watching guys and watching guys. And I was like, Jesus, I haven't watched any Zay Flowers. And like that week or the week before that, I looked at his numbers and he he had a, a you know monster game where he blew up 130, 140 yards. Um, so, yeah, I like him a lot. Kalijah Kansi, I've, I've mentioned him in a couple of conversations with people that I would love the Jets to try to snag him in round two. But deep down, I'm like, I don't I don't see him lasting till round two. You know, I'm, I'm doing some of these mocks where he's sitting there in the second round. Mm-hmm. I don't see that being a reality. The guy's just too explosive, too disruptive up the middle. Um, so, yeah, one of my guys did uh, he won't be there. So I think they'll 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 grab a DT at some point, but uh, it won't be Canty and it won't be um, it, it won't be in the round in the second round. Yeah, and I mean, I was surprised to see him in the first round. Uh, obviously, I haven't watched him fully, but everything you've said said about high second round, top 40, top 50 player for sure. So for Mel to put him all the way up at 10 to Philly, that's a big jump from where the now, league – I'm sorry? Now, quick question. If I try to load plays, we, you know, last time they said, like, I can only load three or whatever? You can load three, so I'll just remove them as we do more. So okay, we, can, so- we can try it for sure. Okay, I was gonna say I didn't know if you had to like give permission to, like I, on, I can just remove them. I believe I can just you know take them okay, out. Let me see if I can find some canty real quick while you're okay. uh, while you're. Discussing. Yeah, there was a, a tweet that I sent you in our um, group chat on Twitter that somebody had had found some Elijah Cancy cut ups and they were just amazed by it. And I, he was very quick off the snap. I believe he's number nine or number six. It's hard to tell from the angle, but all right, here we go. We got one here. Let's see. All right. Yep. All right. Let's play it back. There he is swimming over the left guard. And that's not Malik Cunningham for uh, Louisville, is it? No, no, no. That was Malik uh, missed some time this year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's exactly the type of play that I saw too. Just quick off the line. Offensive lineman couldn't get set up right. Either they punched wrong or he just had the fast hands to get around him. And he just, yeah, he bullied the uh, interior offensive lineman in the clip I saw. Let's see. Is that him head up over the center? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that was just one of punishing the right guard. That's that, not fair. And look, look who does to the back who tries to pick him up. Yeah, that's just and, bad. And Baldonado, 87, he's another player, man. He's, he's not on Kansas level, but... He's, you know, I've said several times this this pit front seven I love, um, and let's see was yeah Baldonado is another guy yeah. that uh, has been yeah Baldonado Servasier Dennis um, yeah the linebacker Ken, you talked about yep Deslin Alexander guy. yep Deslin Alexander is another uh, D lineman they have so Pitt's done a really nice job of of building a, an impressive front seven a lot of guys who are going to be playing in the NFL oh man yeah he's just do you happen to have the, his measurables uh, on hand. Uh, he looks like a slender defensive lineman. That's why I ask. Yeah. Oh, let me see if I've got. Um, let's see on Cansey. Yeah. Don't go low on this guy. He's going to get around you too easy. That's awesome. He's. Uh. They have him listed at uh six foot two seventy five. Six foot two seventy five. Okay. That's got. That's got to be wrong. He's got to. He, he he might be a little bit taller and maybe a little bit skinnier. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say like six one, maybe two sixty five-ish is where I was thinking. What yeah. was that? The school website? Uh it may have just been a well, I'm looking at this now. This NFL draft buzz has him as six foot as well. Wow. They say six foot two eighty. Um okay. so maybe I was right. Let's see. Uh the draft network. 
what do they have? Oh, they don't. They don't have his measurement. Oh yeah, six. Oh, that's that's climbing. Yeah, I don't, I don't see. But I mean, I'm guessing. Yeah, Canty listed six foot two seventy five is with wow. uh So that must be from the school site because mine and uh, TDN's uh, measurables are the same. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do when I'm watching games. I just I pull up the school's roster, and as guys make plays, I make notes, and I'll record clips and and just shit and save them up. Yep. Um, and then just back to Mel Kuyper's mock because I didn't say who we got. We did get a wide receiver, Jackson Smith and Jigba at thirteen. And then Dane Brugler's mock. I think this is a little bit different uh, off the beaten path with the second round pick, but Brian branch, the safety from Alabama. Um, I know there's some very mixed opinions about safety in the first round, but then he has us in the second round taking Cody mock offensive tackle from North Dakota state. He's going to be a a senior bowl player. Somebody that I've heard has a very good technique. Um, So I'm excited to see his one-on-ones. I know it gets a little, uh, you know, down and dirty in those one-on-ones for the trench players at senior bowl, because I don't know. I just feel like it favors the defensive linemen so much because there's no players next to them to help or, you know, other defensive linemen to stop a player in pursuit. So defensive linemen have full range to just do whatever they want on these guys. So I'm excited to see him. And I think it was him who you see the progression of his school picture every year at North Dakota State. Yeah, and just, yeah, his that. hair's growing longer, the split in his teeth, and he's just yeah. he's a football guy. Like He, he looks think- like he should be a lumberjack. Yeah, exactly. I picture him in a flannel with a with a with an axe. Yeah, for sure. And uh, they have another guy, a fullback, uh, Lupke, Hunter Lupke. So between those two guys, I'm 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 really excited because I think the Jets are missing a fullback. I know Nick Bowden was on the roster, got hurt. I think they could really use it if Jeremy Rucker isn't going to. Be I think used Rucker. The I think they, they, they should have used to. Rucker there this year. Yeah, exactly. I see another clip here. Is this more, this is uh, this is, this is Branch this is Branch getting a PBU. Uh, Brian really Branch, nice job. yeah, yeah, against Mississippi State. Oh wow! Just yeah, great job. Fully extended, gets a hand on the ball, bats it away. Um, and yeah, there, there, listen, a lot of people don't like the the idea of safety. I don't love it, but when you look at how bad the Jets were at safety this year, I just, you know, they need one. But to me, first round has got to be offensive tackle or a, a receiver, a, a you know, mm-hmm. a, a, pl- a playmaker with the ball in his hands, and get your safety and your linebacker a little bit later on. There, there are going to be linebackers in round three that are going to start. Um, and you know, probably the same with safety. So, it, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what happens in free agency with safety. Cause there are some good ones out there mm-hmm. and because it's such a devalued position, I feel like there's always a couple of decent ones out there to start. Um, obviously you want to, you know, you should be aiming higher than just getting someone who's decent, but, um, I, I'd be really surprised if Joe Douglas went safety in the first round. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Offensive tackle or wide receiver seems to be my, my leaning. Obviously, if you're going to bring in a veteran quarterback, what better way to double down on offense than to just use your first round pick on an offensive player to help that quarterback. I feel like they've kind of used that model in the past. Obviously they drafted sauce and Jermaine Johnson in the first round, but Mm -hmm. when solid took over the job, they kind of shifted to let's buy a defense, not buy a defense, but let's go out and free agent our defense, find key pieces and supplement our offense in the draft that's you see the offense is a lot younger than the defense in every spot so i i tend to lean with offensive tackle wide receiver i'd be super pumped if they got jackson smith and jig but 13 i know a lot of fans are iffy on him as a prospect i know you could say jordan addison could be there um yeah. quentin johnston wasn't included in any first round mocks so i think that yeah I, I i i was surprised in that i didn't notice he didn't go mm-hmm. in the first round i just it's i just was surprised he wasn't he didn't even go earlier um, right yeah he wasn't yeah. in any first round mocks that i saw i don't believe i wonder I ever what the reason is for that 
Yeah, so I wonder if, you know, the league is viewing him differently. I know a lot of people like his size and downfield ability. So And and look, sometimes I wonder, you know, I know that sometimes this stuff will come out, but when I it's it's I always say it's the only sort of logical reason I can come up with when a guy just doesn't go anywhere near where he's projected or something mm-hmm. like that. I'm like, is there something they don't know that they don't want to say? Like, right. is there an issue where they're like, well, we know a thing about, and I'm not saying this is the case here. Don't know. be like, Oh, Glenn said that. No, I'm not saying <laughs> just whenever something doesn't make sense. And I'm like, this guy is a super, super talented guy. We've heard a million different analysts refer to him as wide receiver one. Mm-hmm. And then he doesn't go in the first round. It's like, what what's going on here? Like, is there a thing? Um, and it could be with any player, you know, when you, when you hear of guys dropping, um, so I don't know. Like, I'm not saying there is. I'm just saying, why the hell isn't he in round one? That, that That's my question. Like, what what is what do they know that all of them all of a sudden have decided he's not a, a first round pick when really clearly he should be um, just an interesting an interesting footnote, him not being a, a first rounder. Yeah. And I think his size and his frame and everything about it says NFL wide receiver. So I feel like there's got to be some kind of misconnection with the draft community and how the NFL views him. Um, yeah. There were a couple other players that I was disappointed to see left off the um, senior bowl list. I texted, I messaged one to you, Devon Witherspoon, cornerback from Illinois, who I just got done watching. And then there was another one. Oh, Tyree Wilson, who is now being mocked in the top five to Seattle. Yeah, He's no longer going to be at the senior bowl either. And I tweeted it out. I said, well, when DJ mocks you at five and six, respectively, you you're not going to go to these all-star games and risk an injury. It doesn't make yep. sense. Yeah. You're just risking dollars at that point. <clears throat> but super unfortunate that I won't get to see those guys because Devon Witherspoon was somebody I was super excited to see, that top-end talent at corner, and just see how he shuts down these wide receivers. Um, I know I know, we're going to shift into more senior bowl talk um, for the rest of the show. Did you have any sleepers or names that you wanted to bring to the table senior bowl-wise? that you were interested in, in getting more notes on or, or hearing about? Well, honestly, it's, it's not so much about even sleepers at this point. I feel like so many of these guys we've talked about already. Yeah. Um, right. You know, you, you mentioned Dalton Kincaid, uh, Voorhees, the, the, the O lineman out of USC. Yep. Um, Schmidt out of uh, Minnesota is a guy. I think I might have something here on him. Um, look, the jets have to address the center position. Connor McGovern's a free agent. He's a nice player. You know, I don't think anybody would be, uh, I don't think anybody would be would be heartbroken if if he if he came back, but um, is he a guy that you look to upgrade and say, look, he's good, but we can do better. So we're gonna you know we're gonna grab a, a center in this draft, and then it's a matter of you know how early are you looking to take one because mm-hmm. he's you know he's a projected first second rounder. I really don't see them going that you know with a center that early. Um, here's no. Schmitz. I, I think getting to the, the second, John Michael Schmitz, the, the center out of, um, out of Minnesota. Yep. And, um, I think that, uh, there are some other guys, you know, there are guys who aren't going to the senior bowl who I like on the O-line as well. But, um, yeah, as, as far as, as far as O-linemen, th- those are the big ones. And I think that, um, you know, quarterback, of course, we've talked about, do, do you take a mid rounder? Do you take a, do you take a flyer on somebody? You know, you know, I got to throw up some Jake Hayner clips here. Um, just, just a couple, I'm not going to go crazy. Cause I might have more clips of him than any other quarterback, mm-hmm. um, in this class, because really, Oh, I think I messed it up. Yeah. Um, just a guy who I, I think isn't getting enough attention. I don't know why. Um, sometimes that just happens. 
Uh, maybe, maybe I'm overvaluing him. I have seen some folks, I know like last year or maybe it was early this year, there were a few former players and I saw a couple of coaches who said that, you know, this, this guy isn't getting enough attention, blah, 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 blah. But uh, you see you, this clip right here, you're going to see that he does a nice job of throwing the ball when he's under pressure. You know, he, he, he keeps his cool. He gets, he, he's not mm -hmm. the most, he's not the most mobile guy, but he can do that. Like he, he can, can get out of the pocket. Yep. Yeah. He, he, he can, he's good enough to get out of trouble. I mean, he, he kept his I, eyes downfield. Yeah. Th I think there were a few, uh, a few decent runs that he had, but you know, he's not the sort of electric directing you know, traffic. We like it. Yeah, yeah exactly. He, he's not the, he's not the electric prototype here. Uh, this one here that I just put on, that's, you're going to see him, uh, see him do a nice job going through his progressions and he hits uh, our guy Remigio, the, the, the return man extraordinaire, probably going to be a slot guy, but he does a nice job. He goes through, I think on that play, I think Remigio was his third option, hits him coming over the middle for a touchdown. So a guy that is able to, he, he, he has a good feel for when to put touch on the ball for when yeah. to put some juice on it. You'll see him throw some lasers. He had a, 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 a one throw, I think it was against Boise state. Um, I don't think I even have that one. Actually, maybe I do. This looks like uh, Darnold's footwork in the pocket 85% of the time. The way he yeah. just backpedaled and like threw awkwardly. Obviously, it's a great pass for him, but I just felt like this was Darnold's footwork for many years in New York. Just this awkward chopping my feet, right? pointed in the wrong direction, but it still kind of works. I, I, I like that. Obviously, it's, that's not his game, but I thought that was funny that that's the first impression I got of that that specific yeah, backpedal. This, this, like, this, this one is the ball. nice. Full yeah, base, one, yep. Oh, just a, ripped it. Ball placement right over the defender, the out the yeah. defender's outstretched hands. Yes, hits nice. the receiver, and they have some. They have some good receivers there. I, I, uh, I really like that. That's a really nice throw. I like that. Oh so, yeah. Hayner is the quarterback I'll be watching. If if you can grab him in the third or fourth round, I would absolutely snap him up. Mm -hmm. I'd be I'd be thrilled if the Jets did, but I you know I, I kind of feel like it's going to be my. You know, they don't have enough picks to be taking a quarterback. If they right. add whether it's whoever they add, whatever veteran they add. Um, that guy plus Zach Wilson plus I had imagined. Well, I mean, listen, new offense, not like Mike White knows the scheme still, but I think they'll lean toward White because they like him. But sure. I would uh, I would not be one bit upset about that. But someone I tweeted about the other day um, at running back. I'm not sure if you're uh, let me grab a couple clips on him real quick. I was um, I was watching some Ohio or uh, sorry, Oklahoma. And they got a, yeah, yeah. Um, yep. Let me see. He's uh he's on the American team, coached by Pat Bassett. Yes, I believe. yeah, I saw that. I saw so that. So I'll definitely be be looking at that guy. I'm hoping he uh, again, and and they. Oh, that was uh another guy I wanted to mention. Um, the the tackle seventy one for them, um, is another senior bowl Wanye guy. Morris. Morris, yeah, for uh for yep. Oklahoma. Yep. And uh, so you know, you see him making a couple of big blocks for uh for gray up the middle there he can he can get to the outside he's got really quick feet doesn't have i don't think he has elite speed but he has damn good speed like he's going to mm -hmm. be a good player so again the, the, the one of the interesting questions with the jets is going to be how they approach the this situation this season w w in terms of depth we saw the number of injuries they had this year we were absolutely insane and um do you, do you roll it back with uh with Brees and and you know who comes back at running back they have some running backs in that room they clearly like but if yeah. you're sitting there in round three or four or five, and there's a guy like Israel Abanacanda or Gray sitting there who you mm -hmm. think can be a younger, fresher, more explosive player, do you use a pick on a back? Like I've always been like anti using early, early picks on backs. Mm -hmm. 
But um, I, I think seeing the impact that Brees Hall had this year and, you know, just kind of saying, like, look, like it or not, these guys are getting the ball more than anyone else on the team. Like, no one's handling the ball. At, well, the quarterback, of course, but he's, you know, in terms of making the plays with the ball in your hands, that the running back is where it's at. So if you're going to grab another one, then, you know, by all means do it. You know, I don't want one in the first round, but if you use a three or a four on a back, then, you know, go for it and, and sort of build some depth behind Hall. Yeah, uh, I wanted to mention a running back who I'm unfamiliar with, but I've heard too many good things about. Another one who's going to be coached by Pat Bastian um, at Senior Bowl American team, Tajay Spears from Tulane. They have him listed at 5'11", 195. So I assume he's the the super quick. I believe it was draft dudes. They just listed a bunch of accolades that this guy did. I can't even remember all of them. Yeah, I don't I don't have anything on him right now. Is you say yeah, Tulane? Tulane, yeah, yeah. I think and, I tried to find stuff him on early in the year, but they're one of those schools that like they just there's not a ton of their stuff out there. Yeah, exactly. It's still hard to find Tulane clips or, or even full game cutups of offense defensive line. So Tajay Spears is certainly one. I'm gonna try to do my my best to get eyes on him before I go down next week, but he's one I'll be watching. And then you mentioned offensive linemen, and I wanted to steal this from Draft Dudes podcast earlier today on my way home. I heard this Alabama offensive lineman, offensive guard, Emil Echior. He's going to take snaps at center at the senior bowl. So he's going to do somewhat of the Zion Johnson thing that happened last year where he was a guard who came in and took snaps under center impressed last year Zion Johnson did became I believe a first round pick to the Chargers um so so, yeah I I think he was in the mid-20s so so another player who could be on that trajectory and if he does snap well that would just be another center option in the mix you mentioned uh John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota being an option I think Emil Ekier is a good guard but I think a lot of uh he they said teams are looking at him as a better center so I think if you're a good guard, you could be a really good, really good center. So Emil Echior from Alabama is the other one that I wanted to watch. Um, there's another guy. I don't believe he's on the American team. He's national team. Trey Tucker from Cincinnati. Um, short guy, uh, but he runs a, a, an expected 4-2-9. He's 5'9", 185, so very, very small. He's expected uh, – Feldman's Freaks had him as a 4-2-9, 40. Uh, just shy of 11 foot in the broad, um, almost 36 and a half vert and 16 bench reps are his projected numbers uh, or what he has done in, in college at some point. So for a 5'9", 185 guy that runs sub 4'3", he's certainly going to be on my radar as somebody that I'm going to fall in love with. I fell in love with Bo Melton last year from Rutgers. He had Jalen Petrie pulling on his jersey in one-on-ones. I will die on the hill that Bo Melton should be a Jet. I don't. I think he's with the Packers now, actually. So maybe that's somebody Aaron Rodgers might want to, you know. No matter what, I'm retiring if I don't have Bo Melton on my team. So yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, here's how. Here's Tucker showing off his speed on a uh, a kick return. See, every player, Glenn's probably got a clip of him. Let's see. Oh yeah, definitely small guy. Oh yeah, sign me up. We don't Braxton who we don't Barrios Barrios man he Barrios like what the hell happened to him this year like how does he how does he go from like being one of the top return men in the league to just letting balls bounce behind him and not fair catching and pitting the offense back inside their own ten yard line and and like multiple times like once like oh brain fart whatever but it happened like three or four times and it's like what do you like the offense is bad enough as it is. Um, this guy, I don't know if he, I don't know if that was his way of saying, I didn't, I, maybe I shouldn't have signed that $6 million deal and I want out, 
But when, you know, he's a name that doesn't get mentioned enough when, when we talk about potential cap cuts. Like, he's not making $20 million a year, but he's making six. And if you can get someone like Tucker or Remigio or another return guy in to play the slot. Bam I think I, and I, yeah, and I think if we add, I think if we see them add another receiver, then maybe, maybe Elijah Moore becomes the slot guy full time. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Corey Davis, Corey Davis, you know, I, I think I'm sure I've mentioned this on here before. Um, again, talked about it today with Scott Mason, because I know he said it the other day. He's not a lock to be cut as far as I'm concerned. No, because, because of what receivers make today. Look at what Corey Davis produces, even if you consider the injuries and say, OK, well, he's injured. Like, let's project his numbers over 12 games since let's assume he's going to miss four or five games. Mm-hmm. Um, look at what guys who produce that are making right now. And you're not going to, it's not like you're going to sign a guy for 3 million and cut him and save 8 million. You're going to cut him due to make 11. And then you're going to have to do what? Spend nine or 10 on the next guy. Like just as much. Yep. Yeah. So just keep the guy um, for for what is a bargain price. Now, again, if you make it, if you make a move and draft a receiver and you think he's going to take over for where, where Davis is and more moves inside again, that makes Berrios really expendable. He's Berrios real value came as a top return guy. And uh, he just, for whatever reason, he just uh, uh, he fell apart last year. Yeah, I don't know how you go from all pro to whatever the hell letting the ball bounce at the eight-yard yeah. line and go out of bounds is because that was it was mind-bogglingly frustrating. Yeah, Corey Davis, though, I don't, I agree. I don't think he's a surefire cut. I think he's probably one of the more obvious answers if you're looking just for dollars. Um, and trying to clear up cap space. But like like you said, who are you replacing him with? We've sat up here and talked about him being the number one pass blo- uh, run blocking wide receiver in this scheme and how he is very much loved in this offense. Um, I think there was a report, I don't remember who tweeted it, that the Jets were flirting with a trade with the Packers last year for Corey Davis. They were interested in acquiring Corey Davis. I'm not saying that they will do it, but regardless of Rodgers or not, I feel like that is an avenue to explore if you're at least going to get something back for Corey Davis. But then again, you have to replace him. So are you looking at a first-round wide receiver? If not, you're looking at a mid-round guy who you're lumping expectations on, or you're going out and getting a veteran that is not a surefire thing either that will cost you the same amount. So Mm -hmm. I agree, Corey Davis is definitely one to keep an eye on. Maybe they they do bring in a Rodgers or even a Derek Carr, and they're like, no, we want to keep all the weapons as as close to the vest as possible. We don't want to get rid of offensive talent. So I can see it being either way. But, yeah, I don't see him being a lock. I would personally think Carl Lawson is at more of a risk to be either cut or restructured than Corey Davis. Maybe they, they could trade Carl Lawson. I don't think anybody's going to trade for Carl Lawson. But, like I said, if you're going to get something back for Corey Davis, sure, move on. But to just cut ties for money purposes, I just don't see it. Yeah, w- one more name I wanted to throw out there before, yeah, for sure. um, before yeah, we're coming up on an hour here. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher his name. Um, but I was talking to somebody recently and saying how much fun it is when you're watching draft prospects and somebody just jumps off the screen at you and it's not the guy you're watching the game to see. Like you have, you know, you turn a game on, you have a list of guys you're you're watching, um, you know, you're focusing on, and then someone just just you know blows up and jumps out at you. So uh at a Tamiwa Adabo Adabe Ware. Adabaware. It was him. Yep. Yeah. Um, Edge from Northwestern. Uh, yeah, Northwestern. <clears throat> I watched and I, I specifically remember, you know, and again, when it when you see these guys do it against top competition. So 
Um, and I tweeted about him not long, at, I, I, but I think I only tweeted out like one play. Um, so this guy, he plays edge. Uh, you'll see him here, number 99. And I think, you know, I wonder if um, if his arm length is an issue. That's that's the one thing I've seen mm. that, that gives me some concern is that he's consistently getting into the backfield and disrupting plays, but not always wrapping up. Like, I don't know if there's, I don't know if it's an arm length, but even, even with that, he's getting there and redirecting guys and still causing tackles for loss. He's not always the guy getting the tackle, um, but he's still just, and, and this was all against Ohio state. Like he made one play and I'm like, okay. And then he, at the top of the screen there, number 99 held the defender off with one arm and then starts dragging the, the running back toward the sideline. Again, he didn't complete the tackle. But look at that. That's one the left hand. He just uses one hand to keep the old lineman off of him yep. while he runs toward the ball carrier. That one's actually pretty understandable why he doesn't get the uh why he doesn't get the tackle there. Mm-hmm. But uh but he's got a couple. Um and again, Northwestern, unfortunately, is another one of these damn players or uh, schools who are like there's not a ton of full games um to see mm-hmm. as much of him as I would like. Um and sometimes that happens. Iowa's another one that's uh that's really annoying that you you know you can't always get these guys mm-hmm. but um i just put a couple more on there those are all yeah i want to i want to run this quick back i'm not trying to hijack out of no no go ahead, go ahead. war rays shine here but i just want to just show paris johnson on this one specific play i haven't seen this play before but paris johnson left tackle number 77 for ohio state his redirect and him pushing his assignment out of out towards the sideline and then cut cutting back in onto the second defender is just Absolutely amazing. There he is pushing the end man a line of scrimmage. Then he just comes in and takes the second guy too. Yeah, he just ate up both defenders. That was obviously it's a, a, a tackle for loss regardless. But Paris Johnson, right? But but Paris, Paris Johnson, Johnson did his. It's job a great on it's a great play. rep for him. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I I definitely wanted to get that one out there because yep. Paris Johnson will be linked to the Jets a lot. Here's more of him. We'll run that back again. Looks like a nice tackle for loss. Again, oh, ooh, oh tosses the blocker aside, gets yeah. in the backfield. No chance. Again, again, <laughs> yeah, again, redirects redirects the the, uh, the back to get the TFL. Same thing, just guys. Yeah. Just, yep. I'm I'm hoping to find more, you know, more full games for Northwestern to get uh oh, that was to nice. get another handful of clips on him. Let's see. Yeah. Um Yeah, but this guy uh, out of bar out of Baware, I'll We'll learn how to say. Something. And there, this this is this is one more where I think he bull rushes the lineman and just pushes them back into the pocket. Okay, here we go. Yeah, this guy he was um one of Feldman's freaks list actually, six two two eighty. He is expected to have a sub seven three cone six point nine, just over four point zero five uh, short shuttle. And then his other measurables, let me scroll over in my spreadsheet. A 10 and a half foot broad jump, a 37 and a half inch vertical, and 30 expected bench reps. If this guy touches any of those metrics, this guy could easily be a day two edge player. Yeah. He fits the size that the Jets defensive line likes to be. They're not going to be, you know, big, huge. I mean, the, quarter, the, the quarterback obviously gets out of the way there, but you see him just drive right. the guard into the yeah. backfield. Which is funny because I know it's an incomplete pass on third and long, but C.J. Stroud, one of the knocks on him is is pressure. So getting right. to avoid that pressure, obviously you want to complete the pass there. But, yeah, definitely a good, good call out for him, edge rusher from Northwestern. I think there was another guy, yeah, uh, Dylan Horton, TCU edge. I want to shout him out. Obviously, uh, elite first name. He spells it the right way, too. And uh, 
279. So again, of that same mold, a little bit taller, but skinnier uh, edge player. Um, he's expected to run a 4.5540. I'm not exactly sure where that will stack up, but that seems pretty damn fast for an edge rusher. And a 38-inch vertical. Again, another Feldman's Freaks. Uh, TCU obviously made it to the national championship. He had a game, I think it was Ohio State. It might have been, uh, or or the game before Georgia, um, I forget who they played. He had four sacks in, in one of the, the last three games of his career. He had four sacks and four tackles for loss. So that's a, that's a sack for him against Texas. Oh, yeah. Texas was one of the games I watched of Horton, too. Yep. He's number 98. Yep. There he is. So the first thing I wrote in my notes about this guy, other than having an elite first name, was that ass and legs. He's the candidate for ass and legs. I mean, I mean, maybe it's just the fact that his ankles look so goddamn skinny, but he's just ass and legs. His trunk is so, so nice. I don't, I don't know. He just, he sets, he's a good defensive lineman. He was actually a safety prospect coming out, which I think is really weird how a safety crazy, ends up yeah. on a D lineman. I guess the height, you you know, if you're 6'4 and you haven't got the weight with that 6'4 build, I'm sure that are like, you know, like how you used to be a center in, in, in like rec basketball. And then all of a sudden you're six two and everybody else is six six and all you know how to do is big man stuff in basketball and you're like I don't know how to facilitate as a point guard so it's cool that Dylan uh, Horton has played literally all over the defense um, mm-hmm. senior bowl guy so excited for him um, any last words before we get out of here I know we're running a little bit over time here uh, no man just uh, excited for the senior bowl excited for the pre draft process Nathaniel Hackett give him a chance I know look I know a lot of Jets fans my age are like oh my God I can't believe I, that was my response when I first heard the guy was a coach. A few right. years ago, I heard his name. I was like, oh, that can't be Paul Hackett's kid. And it is. And he's here. And he's ours. And you just you just hope that he's helped right the ship. He's done some good things. He's got a resume with some success on it. And that really, that was all I wanted. Like, don't bring in a guy who's never done well. Don't bring a guy who's never done it at the pro level. Um, we don't need another rookie experiment. Although Mike LaFleur looks like he's going to land with Sean McVay. So, like one of the one of the top offensive minds, one of the most respected offensive minds in the NFL, wants Lafleur on his staff helping him call plays. So, but that's water under the bridge. It's Hackett now, and uh, hopefully, it's Hackett and Rogers or Carr or or Jackson or somebody who can uh, make some plays for this team. Yeah, I'm glad you snuck that one in there because I feel like if there is a Mike Lafleur adjacent not from a coaching themselves standpoint, but just from a person standpoint, Nathaniel Hackett is probably the guy in terms of friendship with Salah. So yeah, it's tough. LaFleur is gone, but we're moving on. Obviously it's not always going to be better, but I think we just have to take it in stride. Stop having this mindset of we're perpetually bad or we need to hold on to draft picks to save for the future. I think that mindset needs to, to be gone. We're in a win now. Top down in the organization, Woody Johnson, Joe Douglas, Rob Sala, they've all reiterated this is a win-now team. They're not ready to build for another year. This isn't that situation. They're going to go all in, chips in the table, like I, I ended the show last, last week. It's going to be it's going to be the season, and if it doesn't work, a lot of jobs are going to be lost. But if it works, people are going to be praised, and that's just unfortunately how it goes. We'll have to see, but – we got to operate in a, in a positive mindset. I just, I can't, I can't deal with the glass half empty stuff anymore. I know it's bad, but we got to, yeah. we got to pull ourselves out of it. Yeah. And listen, speaking of positives, I know I said I didn't have anything else, but there was one thing I wanted to, uh, to share with Jets fans. I mentioned people my age, fans my age and older and younger folks, if they want to come along. Um, the, uh, the Maxwell Football Club in Philadelphia had a press release today saying that they're going to be 
honoring Joe Klecko um, as one of their Legends Awards winner at uh, uh, presented by Mo- Mohegan, Pennsylvania. So uh, Klecko, as many of you know, a, a sixth-round pick in 77, uh, played 69 games at 33-and-a-half sacks over his first four seasons, and they are going to be honoring Joe Klecko um, at the Maxwell Football Club in Philadelphia. So keep an eye out for that. Should be an event. Should be a lot of fun. Um, if you want to get tickets to go and, and meet Joe Klecko and attend the event and uh, and have a chance to honor a Jets legend, uh, give him a call at 215-643-3833, the uh, Maxwell Football Club, uh, honoring one of the Jets' own Joe Klecko. Yeah, awesome shout-out there. I think it's always great when the Jets legends can get their flowers because, you know, when we're – Doesn't happen often. Exactly. And when I'm older, I hope that there's players that I grew up watching that are in that same light. So I think it's always great to see them get in. He's the one that's always been scrutinized about he should be a Hall of Famer, right? Or is that Gastineau? No, it's it's Klecko, and it looks. It like is Klecko, Klecko, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And he's and this time around, they they expect him to get in. So Hell there yeah. might there might be you know you might be seeing Klecko and Rebus. That would be amazing. I mean, and hey, I, we, might, I might have to try to fly over for that. I, my dog's gonna start barking. God damn it! So close. We, we were so close to getting out of here. So I did close. want to shout out. That was did, my fault. That was my fault with the joke. We'll blame that on Joe Klecko. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm going to ruin it even worse and say that the Jets having an offensive rookie, offensive uh, defensive rookie of the year finalist, Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson. I don't know if it's ever happened before where they both wanted it for the same team, but Jets can make history. And like I said, I think someone the, said the Saints did it a couple of years ago when they oh, had that, okay. awesome, when they had still, that awesome class. Very rare. It's, it's still unbelievable. Yeah. Exactly. And these are the types of players that you want to keep and be you know talking about when i'm 60 years old and they're getting their flowers so yeah just wanted to bring it all full circle thank you everybody for tuning in we'll be back i don't know if i'll be back next week i might do a show on my own i won't have good capabilities to run a show in mobile i'm bringing my my laptop i can't bring all my stuff so we'll try to get on maybe if it's like something short but uh we'll be back Glenn will be back next week. I'll be back in two weeks from now. I'll have all my notes. I'll be ready to just spill them out on the show, everything I saw at Senior Bowl. So thanks again for everybody tuning in, and let's go Jets.